Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May. And today we're going to talk about something fun. Well, I think it's fun. Uh, The medicine of cannabis. And we will obviously talk about CBD and how CBD factors into this picture and how it is unique, but also part of the big picture and really shouldn't be isolated. Um, but I'll get into that later. So let's start with how medical cannabis does and does not work. And although cannabis is often cited as being one of the most commonly abused drugs on the planet, this is a very misleading characterization. There is a common and false distinction made between the misuse of illicit drugs versus the abuse of illicit ones. And while both illicit and licit drugs can be used uh, rationally and irrationally, meaning they can both be misused, the molecules that are contained within these products are not good nor evil. So we shouldn't anthropomorphize them. (laughs) Say that three times fast. To claim that cannabis is completely safe and can cause no harm is also misleading. The reality is that cannabis can be used medicinally and that cannabis can cause harm if not used intelligently. So it is also just as important to understand what we don't know about cannabis as it is to make use of what we do know now. The best known cannabis compound is the phytocannabinoid tetrahydrocannabinol, or as we all know it, THC. THC is just a single component of a remarkable chemical eology produced by the plant cannabis, which comprises dozens of medicinally active substances. It is and would be an error to consider THC, CBD, or any single cannabis compound to be the most medicinally valuable. Cannabis compounds in herbal cannabis or whole plant extractions tend to work together in synergy, or also what we call the entourage effect. The variation in medicinal effects associated with different cannabis cultivars is due to varying ratios of active compounds produced by these exact cultivars. Variation in potency and composition plus compact complex entourage synergistic effects and processes by which the body metabolizes these constituents make any thorough understanding of herbal cannabis effects a very challenging proposition. So if you're confused, you're not alone. Understanding how and where the various constituents of cannabis 
medicines are absorbed, distributed, metabolized, excreted, and stored within the body is important for establishing just a basic understanding of how cannabis works as medicine, which is what we're focusing on today, which is also what I think in general we as medical practitioners and as patients really need to shift our perception. But before we get into all these ins and outs, I want to take us through the endocannabinoid system. And what is that, you might be asking. So you'll hear me throughout this episode talk about the phytocannabinoid system, which is the plant system, phyto meaning plant, P-H-Y-T-O, and then endocannabinoid system. That is the system of cannabinoid receptors that are inside our body. And we are born with these receptors. They are native to us. So endo meaning inside. So humans have used cannabis for centuries, but only in the last 50 years or so has many has any scientific understanding really emerged as to how cannabis worked in the human body. The first cannabinoid receptors were not even found until the late 1980s. These receptors turned out to comprise a new series of homeostatic regulatory mechanisms within the body, which was then named the endocannabinoid system. So the role of this system is very complex. It's broad in function and found within all complex animals from fish to humans. It regulates such diverse functions such as memory, digestion, motor function, immune response and inflammation, appetite, pain, blood pressure, bone growth, and the protection of neural tissue, among many other things. The endocannabinoid system comprises three principal elements. The endocannabinoid receptors, specialized molecules called endocannabinoids that interact with these receptors, and enzymes that either synthesize or metabolize these endocannabinoids. The two primary subtype, subtypes of classical of cannabinoid receptors in the endocannabinoid system are CB1 and CB2. These receptors are distributed throughout the central nervous system and immune systems and within many other tissues, including the brain, the GI system, reproductive urinary tract, spleen, endocrine, heart, circulatory. So you can see why there's such a broad range of potential action with taking THC or CBD or any other of the active medicinal compounds because these receptors are found in so many different places in our body. The CB1 receptor is expressed throughout the brain where endocannabinoids and CB1 combine to form a sort of circuit breaker, which modulates the release of both inhibitory and excitatory neurotransmitters across the synapse. It is activation of the CB1 receptor that is responsible for the psychoactive effects of cannabis. Since THC is mimicking an endocannabinoid by binding to this receptor. The list of brain functions that are affected by the endocannabinoid system is enormous. Decision-making, cognition, emotions, learning, memory, as well as regulation of bodily movement, anxiety, stress, fear, pain, body temperature, appetite, sense of reinforcement or reward, and blood-brain blood -brain barrier permeability, and even motor control. One brain region that does not express many CB1 receptors, although, is the brainstem. 
And this is good because this is the area responsible for respiration and circulation. So um, this is why opiates are so dangerous is because they do, you do have opiate receptors in the brainstem. And so they go right there. And so with an opiate overdose, you have a decrease in respiration and circulation and that's how you die. But you don't have that with CB1, which is good. So this is primarily why cannabis overdoses do not cause respiratory depression and death. Until a few years ago, it was believed that CB2 receptors were only primarily found in immune and blood cells, tonsils, and the spleen. From these sites, CB2 receptors control the cytokines, which are sort of um, their like in- inflammatory uh, proteins that are linked to inflammation and general immune function throughout the body. More than 700 chemical constituents are produced within the cannabis plant of which the phytocannabinoids and terpenoids are the principal active ingredients. As I mentioned earlier, the body produces its own cannabinoids in the form of endocannabinoids. And by contrast, the phytocannabinoids are produced by the cannabis plant in the form of carboxylic acids, and this might be a little bit too much chemistry, but (laughs) upon heating these uh, carboxylic acids through cooking, vaporizing, or smoking, these phytocannabinoid acids are converted to their chemically neutral and more widely known forms of THC, CBD, etc. through a process called decar- decarboxylation, which you probably don't care about. But <laughs> neutral THC is typically considered the principal psychoactive drug produced by cannabis. Phytocannabinoids are relatively non-toxic and have extremely high lethal dose requirements in humans, which is why no fatal overdose has ever been directly attributed to cannabinoids. Until very recently, phytocannabinoids referred solely to those cannabinoids that were produced by the cannabis plant. More recently, however, it has been discovered that compounds produced by other plants, including different lichens and even black pepper, interact with the cannabinoid receptors as well. Therefore, the definition of phytocannabinoids has been actually expanded into include any natural plant compounds that interact with the cannabinoid receptors. For much of the last hundred years, a small handful of cannabinoids were thought to be the only active pharmacological constituents of cannabis. But over the last decade, researchers have tried to understand why users claim that different varieties of herbal cannabis appear to produce differing medicinal or psychoactive effects. One explanation for the variation is a synergy between cannabinoids and each other, plus the interactions of cannabinoids and other components of cannabis's essential oil called terpenoids or terpenes. It is now believed that cannabinoids and terpenes acting in concert together are responsible for the differences in both medicinal and psychoactive effects produced by cannabis varieties, which again, we call the entourage effect. According to a 2016 review, over 200 phytocannabinoids produced by cannabis have been identified, and those are mainly broken down into four primary families, THC, CBD, which is cannabidiol, CBG, which is cannabigerol, cannabigerol, or CBC, cannabichromine. The fifth phytocannabinoid, CBN, which is cannabinol, 
is commonly cited as the principal cannabinoid. However, CBN is not produced by the plant, but is the breakdown product of THC when exposed to oxygen over time. There is strong evidence to suggest that the terpene beta-carophylline produced by cannabis also functions as a phytocannabinoid. So for the um, purposes of today's episode, I'm just going to focus on THC and CBD because these are the ones that are most commonly talked about in news and in politics and the ones that you probably have the most questions about. THC is the most common phytocannabinoid produced by popular drug cannabis varieties. And through decades of selective breeding, today a few drug cannabis cultivars can produce over 25% THCA within their dried flowering tops. An extraordinary amount of this psychoactive ingredient. But THC is simply more than psychoactive. It exhibits potent anti-inflammatory and analgesic activity. It's neuroprotective and reduces intraocular pressure, spasticity, and muscle tension. THC interacts with both CB1 and CB2 and the endocannabinoid receptors. While THC itself is non-toxic, some physicians have characterized the unpleasant effects of an excessive THC overdose as psychotoxic. For example, excessive doses of THC can produce panic, anxiety, sedation, and rapid heartbeat for novice users, or maybe even just those that were expecting something so potent. Although most of these adverse effects typically decline over time, high doses of THC over time are linked to selective CB receptor downregulation, which means it essentially means that's resulting in a reduced density of these receptors. So the more high dose THC you introduce into your body, the fewer natural receptors that you're going to have available. And this contributes to the tolerance effects that we see with repeated use of THC. Recently, THCA, the acidic precursor of THC that I mentioned earlier, has caught the attention of some researchers, and they're hoping that it might be, it might prove to be an effective medicine. THCA itself is very pharmacologically active with potential anti-inflammatory, immunomodulary, neuroprotective, and anti-tumor applications. Next is CBD, the one that has become so popular in politics and the news recently. And this is the most common phytocannabinoid produced by the fiber cannabis hemp varieties. And because of recent breeding efforts, CBDA is becoming more commonly found among drug cannabis cultivars as well. Like all acidic cannabinoids produced by the plant, through the process of decarboxylation, CBDA can be converted into CBD by heat over time. Preclinical animal testing has shown that CBDA shows great promise as an anti-nausea treatment, especially for those suffering from intractable anticipatory nausea, which many people undergoing chemotherapy do. Here's an interesting tidbit I found in my research. Many dispensaries falsely claim that indica varieties of cannabis contain higher amounts of CBD than sativa varieties. While some broad-leafed land races from 
Afghanistan and Pakistan produce CBD. These plants were not selected to be brought to the West because this selection always favored THC content. So nearly all broad leaflet varieties labeled indica in dispensaries contain no CBD or only trace amounts. This misconception about CBD content has extended to the false claim that CBD is responsible for the sedative effect of drug cannabis varieties. When CBD is mildly activating or stimulating at low, moderate doses. The sedative effect commonly noted by patients inhaling high CBD herbal cannabis varieties is more likely due to the high levels of mercerine produced by most of these cultivars, especially when cultivated under sunlight. I thought that was really interesting. Until 2009, high CBD cannabis varieties were rarely found at medical cannabis outlets in the U.S., The combination of increased analytical testing of cannabis, the work of advocacy groups such as Project CBD, which there will be a link to in the show notes, and the work of cultivators such as Wade Lofter and the late Lawrence Ringo led to the reemergence of high CBD cannabis varieties. The most prevalent high CBD, low THC cannabis varieties cultivated today are ACDC and Charlotte's Web. Okay, CBD is an incredibly promiscuous little chemical, which despite the suggestive connotation, means that CBD interacts with a wide variety of receptors, way more than THC, which explains its such broad effects. CBD interacts with CB1 and CB2 receptors, but also the other G protein cannabinoid receptors and some other receptors, again, that I won't bore you with. These interactions may lead to CBD-based treatments for conditions ranging from strokes to acne. But beyond the endocannabinoid receptors, CBD activates, inhibits, and modulates a wide range of receptors and and ion channels, including adenosine, glycine, 5-HT1A, which is involved in serotonin production, And according to a recent review, CBD also interacts with um, dopamine, 2, GABA, and some delta opioid receptors. CBD is even effective in inhibiting the growth of methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or MRSA. Perhaps more so than even the antibiotic vancomycin, which right now is the standard care of treatment for MRSA. One problem when extracting CBD from cannabis is that a small portion of the CBD can be cycled or transformed into THC. When attempting to control the amount of THC being given to, let's say, pediatric patients receiving CBD, this cyclization process needs to be carefully controlled. When cannabis products are manufactured for pediatric use especially, Recently, claims have been made that CBD can cycle into THC in the presence of acidic gastric fluids. These claims are contentious with some researchers claiming that such cyclization is possible while others dismiss the notion. It seems though about that the jury is still out. As with any medicine, there are always potential for adverse effects. Understanding the side effects and contraindications of using herbal cannabis and CBD as a medicine will make a patient's experience, your patient, or your, your experience, I mean, both safer and better informed. 
It's always important to speak with a healthcare professional if you experience any side effects from any medication, including cannabis. So whether that be your naturopath, your physician, your local pharmacist, someone that has some professional experience with cannabis is preferred. So the easiest approach to limiting cannabis side effects is by reducing the cannabis dose. And in the world of pharmacy, our motto is always start low and go slow. So especially if you're new to using CBD or cannabis products for whichever treatment you are looking to help, always start with a low dose and titrate yourself up slowly over time. So you can find that sweet spot because we are all different energetic beings and we will all have a slightly different experience um, across the spectrum. Even if you find some literature that says this is the exact dose for this indication, I would always actually suggest starting a little lower and titrating up and then see where you are. It is a commonly held belief that among certain circles that cannabis is completely safe. And this is based on the misconception that plant medicines are inherently harmless. But the reality is that cannabis is a potent drug capable of producing some very noteworthy side effects. Cannabis can also cause significant interactions with other medications. The side effects of larger doses of THC-rich cannabis medicines can be frightening to novice users. I can tell you, as an emergency room practitioner, I see young and old people come in more frequently than you would think, and they're essentially having that psychotoxic effect that we talked about earlier from just having too much. Most of the side effects that I'm going to talk about are usually solely associated with THC, the primary psychoactive ingredient. And by using cannabis medicines that also contain CBD, some of those side effects can be reduced or even eliminated. Patients who are either new to cannabis or who have accidentally over-medicated can occasionally experience a condition called postural or orthostatic hypotension, which essentially means you have a sudden lightheadedness when you stand up. Sometimes you can even pass out. Suddenly passing out upon standing has become increasingly common among users of highly concentrated cannabis oils. It has also been observed that while reclining, novice cannabis users can tend to experience an upward spike in their blood pressure. So this should also be noted with caution if you perhaps do already have a high blood pressure issue. You should definitely consult your physician if you have been diagnosed or believe that you suffer from schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or severe depression, heart disease, chest pain, high blood pressure, angina, or irregular heartbeat. If you have a history of stroke, if you have a history of COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or chronic bronchitis, If you have an immune disorder or a medical treatment that has compromised your immune function, or you are taking a medication such as some blood thinners where cannabis compounds um, in high doses may interfere with that medication's metabolism. The most commonly reported mild adverse effects amongst the users of medical cannabis include tachycardia or rapid heartbeat, and this is especially uh, common amongst new users. Dry mouth, 
dizziness or lightheadedness, red or irritated eyes, and coughing. So those are the mild, no big deal, very short term possible side effects. Uh, So now I want to get into some drug interactions that could be more serious that I want you guys to be aware of. And this is the pharmacist in me coming out. So many cannabinoids and most potently CBD can inhibit or induce the activity of a family of liver enzymes we call cytochrome P450. And so depending on how the prescription medications act in the liver, you can sometimes have an increase or a decrease of the affected medication. So patients taking high doses of CBD should consult with their healthcare professional about potential interactions if taking other medications simultaneously. And again, there is definitely a gap with Western medicine physicians at this point in terms of how much they know. So I would encourage maybe asking your local pharmacist or getting online and more and more there are databases um, listing healthcare professionals that have done extra education to become knowledgeable about the ins and outs and the um, effects and the actions with regular uh, western medications I will call them. So um Here is a list of drugs that can increase the effects of orally administered cannabis. Again, that's orally administered. So if you are on amiodarone, if you are taking the antibiotic clarithromycin or biaxin, if you take diltiazem for your blood pressure or maybe for AFib, Erythromycin, also an antibiotic, fluconazole or diflucan, which is an antifungal, isoniazid, which is really just used to treat tuberculosis, so we don't see that much in this country, itraconazole, which is another antifungal, ketoconazole and myconazole, both also antifungals, ritonavir, which is used to treat HIV, and verapamil, which is another drug to treat um, cardiac arrhythmias like AFib. So all of these drugs can increase the effects of your orally administered cannabis. Okay, everybody got that. So next, the drugs that can decrease or interfere with the effects of oral cannabis. Carbamazepine, which is used to treat seizures. Phenobarb or phenobarbital, sorry, my... Um, healthcare uh, short terms, (laughs) Uh, which is a sedative or an anticonvulsant. Also, phenytoin, which is also used to treat seizures, primidone, which is also an anticonvulsant, rifibutin, which is used to treat a very specific type of lung disease, rifampin, which is an antibiotic, and even the herb St. John's wort. These drugs can decrease or interfere with the effects of oral cannabis. Unlike your typical pharmaceutical drugs, which are delivered in very specific doses, cannabinoid medicine is highly individualized. There are no research standards of potency as of yet or delivery systems or dosages that physicians can consistently rely on. With cannabis, doses, dosages can be as unique as the patient, and there are many possible ways to deliver the medicine into the patient's body. 
Cannabis can be smoked, vaporized, eaten in solid foods, taken as a liquid tincture, or rubbed on the skin as a topical. And there are numerous ways to tap into the health benefits of CBD and cannabis, with especially with these new technologies and innovations that are emerging daily. Again, I would recommend that you find a reputable and reliable healthcare professional to help you decide on which dosage form and where it will be administered in terms of getting the maximum effect for the um, area that you are wanting to treat in your life. I'm going to wrap it up there today. I didn't want to go into any specific disease states or... um, disease treatments because there it's just so vast. So if any of you out there have questions and want to hear something more specific, maybe about pain management or maybe some gastrointestinal disorders, uh, shoot me some comments, shoot me an email. And once I get an idea of what you guys want to hear more on, then I'm happy to do another episode about more details about specific disease states that can be treated uh, very effectively with CBD and um, regular cannabis products. So I hope today was um, enlightening and informative for you. I hope you didn't get too bogged down with too much medical or scientific and chemical jargon. And um, maybe if I've opened the door and sparked your curiosity and you have more questions, um, I'd love to answer them. And maybe you have some very specific um, pharmaceutical questions and interactions. So I'm up for anything. Please let me know your thoughts and your opinions. And um, I will catch you on the next episode. Namaste.